Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy and Mandalore, this is the Force Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsack. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and I like the new phrase, Mandalore this. <laughs> Mandalore that. <laughs> I am Jennifer Landa. We are here to break, well, uh, breaking news from Star Wars, uh, the Star Wars galaxy far, far away, but uh, we're going to be breaking down, discussing, and diving into the Mandalorian official season three trailer. 
dropped last night at the time of our recording. And we are going deep. A lot of wonderful reaction videos out there, breakdown videos. We're going to have some of that as well. But this is the episode where we can go in deep to a lot of things that were uh, put forth in the trailer. Themes, moments, little Easter eggs, questions we have. Hey, maybe even a theory or two. It's all part of the fun. <laughs> Before we get into it, let's remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we'll have our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. All right. Now, normally this is where we catch up on life and Star Wars adventures, but uh, Joseph, Jennifer, we're here. Should we just dive into the Mandalorian trailer? <laughs> uh, I think we should do our ask, and then we should dive into the Mandalorian trailer. We do have an important ask, and since we have a little, maybe some more ears on this episode, Joseph, we... We do have this ask. What is this ask? Yeah, so we are building our YouTube present. We got a brand new show coming called Figure Fights, where we ask not which character in Star Wars would win in a fight, but which specific action figure of that character would win in a fight. We're very excited for that, and we want uh, plenty of people to join us. So we're trying to build towards 7,000 subscribers on YouTube. We are getting very close, so thank you if you've helped. And please, if you haven't yet and want to, hit the thing to make the noise and be a subscriber. Hit the bells, ring the bells, sleigh bells ringing. <laughs> Smash that like button. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Doing this her whole life. Uh, listen to my kids listening to those gamer YouTubes. Uh, they're like, you know, 13. Smash that like button. Hit the notification <laughs> bell. Oh, my gosh. That's what Grogu's doing in that N1 ship all day, right? <laughs> yeah. He's like, stop smashing the like button. <laughs> it is indeed. All right. That's our ask. We're having a lot of fun. Yeah, can't wait for you all to see figure fights. Uh, we, we had some fun over there. So, uh, well, uh, we are here for the big news. This is the news. All the news. There were some little bits of news this week, some nominations. That's all great. But let's 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 go to the main event here. The Mandalorian yeah. season three trailer. We got word. The, when I say we got word, the world got word that it was going to be airing during the rare, I think, first time ever super wild card game on Monday Night Football. That doesn't happen, but some mm. synergy. ABC, <laughs> uh, Disney, Mando, let's do it. So before we got to the trailer, though, the day actually began with a poster. We should start with the poster. This uh, poster emerged with the Mandalorian, Dinjarin, in the air. Is he flying down? Is he flying away? Ooh, that's a thematic question to ask. But there's flames at his feet. He's firing his blaster and he's holding, of course, Baby Yoda himself, Grogu. So did that poster help you get hyped? What would you take from it, Jen? We'll start with you. I... Was, I had to pull it up right now. Spoiler, <laughs> spoiler that was my delay. Didn't want to hear you guys uh, hear my clacking. I loved it because it felt very much like the the cover of a comic book. Very action, uh, an action style shot, which in previous Mandalorian posters, they've been more like Western, right? More like, you know, a swagger in the distance, walking through the desert. But this, uh, and <laughs> Grogu's, adorable face it cracks me up because even though they're in you know danger obviously he looks cozy in yeah. mando's arms and like he's he knows he's safe he knows he's safe in right. mando's arms <laughs> but i love it i just love it it's something very different uh i love that it's like the old lemonhead song into your arms that's what's playing in the background joseph did you hear 90s rock when you saw that poster 
Yeah, no, I just heard a big, loud power chord. It, Slash was just a, letting a power chord rip. I totally agree with Jennifer. I love how different this is. And, and to me, it kind of confirmed some of the things that were hinted at uh, in the the presentation at Star Wars Celebration for Mandalorian Season 3 uh, and some of what was in that uh, first teaser trailer, that this season is bigger. Jennifer is so right. It's great to describe the previous posters as Western, but they're almost all like... Uh, Din Djarin strolling toward the camera with Grogu kind of protected, mm-hmm. right? I think mm-hmm. the most exciting previous poster is Din Djarin's on a speeder. But you look at all those posters, which are cool, they're great, but yeah. they are just kind of strolling. So, like, the vibe is maybe he's getting groceries. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> this one is action past. This is the middle of a conflagration, literally, right? It sells the idea that the season is bigger more action-packed, in that both of these characters are more in the middle of everything and more engaged by Mm. everything. Mm. I love uh, what Jennifer is saying about Grogu's face, but it is a really different sort of promotional image because Grogu is not looking away from the violence, you know? Mm. He's engaged with the conflict. He's a part of it. He looks like he could be just, like, watching something explode and thinking, well... You asked for it, <laughs> you or, or a, yeah, or about to do some some force pushing himself. Uh, all that stuff. A lot of the images previously have been: can this space cowboy protect this vulnerable young creature? And now they're both in on it together. Yeah, I really like what you're both saying. I got to be honest; I, I, you guys are getting me more excited for the sh- everything than the poster did itself, which that means I didn't like it. <laughs> I just had this. I, I, I always try to come from a point of honesty. The poster dropped and I went, just show me the trailer. I just, yeah. just <laughs> I got a busy day. I did a trailer, but I actually think it's my favorite of the Mando posters for a lot of the reasons you're all explaining. Jen, I love your point of we've had uh, the Western warrior high on the plains all by himself. Now we have just, you can hear the pew, pew, pew in this, uh, the promise of action, promise of Grogu at the center of it. And we're going to get to that and what that means and coming out of the book of Boba Fett. And I, I said earlier, but is, is Mando leaving the action or jumping into it? Or both. He's got his cape on fire, fires at his feet, and uh, the rocket pack's engaged. So uh, maybe he's jumping up to get an angle. Or maybe I've been playing too much Fortnite and looking for the high ground. But this uh, <laughs> kind of, uh, it just, it, uh, it, gets me, it gets me hyped up for that thing we're going to be saying a lot today. And a lot, of th- a lot of people are saying out there, the bigger scope of season three. That can uh, simply be a... Um, I don't know, a description that's going to become cliche, but I think it's really true. And that's why it keeps emerging in this poster. Just kind of backs all, all that up. Joseph, do you have this on your phone yet? It's the final question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did uh, take pictures of it and uh, posted it all over social media. Compositionally, he, he's getting the high ground. He, he is <laughs> flying up. And, and I'm not going to go on and on about the composition, but this is once again, I think, really good uh, composition to have two huge uh, directions of energy, him flying up, but all of their energy is still down there in the battle. So I I think it's awesome. I love your composition, Taki. You're skilled in that area. You're trained in that area. And it's uh, this is a good thumbnail photo, too. I, I don't make the best <laughs> YouTube thumbnails, but I try to keep this kind of stuff in mind. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's a good flow. There's a lot. Yeah. Of love yeah. It. Love it. Well, that was earlier in the day. We, like I said, we're waiting and waiting and waiting. And uh, that led us to the trailer. But we like setting the scene. We do this when we talk about how we watch the shows, how we uh, break them down uh, at home. 
watching at midnight, all, all that kind of stuff matters for as a Star Wars fan. And especially in this day and age from like 2014 on when trailers themselves became super, super big events that we love. So we want to set the scene. What was your mindset going in? Were you excited? Nervous? Bummed the Buccaneers were losing 17 nothing at halftime? Uh, Tom Brady's <laughs> last game? There's big stuff going on here. Uh, Joseph, uh, where were you at when this trailer was dropping? You just told me uh, more information than I knew about the football game ever, uh, <laughs> that it was the Buccaneers and that Tom Brady was even playing last game. Really? Hasn't he had a hey. lot of those? I don't know. He's going to play till he's 60, but yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I did not have uh, time to sit down and watch the football. I kind of like, I, I, I'm not a, a huge fan, but I do enjoy watching it. And I kind of enjoy the ritual of sometimes watching something that you normally wouldn't. So you can see the Star mm -hmm. Wars trailer. Um but just a different uh, vibe uh, with my wife and I. So uh, my hope was uh, my wife and I was my, my wife was kindly making us dinner and we were both going to watch an episode, an old episode of the Great British Bake Off. And my big tension was, will they drop the trailer before my wife is uh, finished cooking the pasta? <laughs> Ooh, that's a tension. Uh, and it was a scraper scraped by. I was like, oh. We're about to sit down. I'm just going to just check social media. And I swear to God, the first tweet I saw confirming that the trailer was out was like, Order 66 is back. I was like, damn it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. It doesn't matter. If people are excited. It's just the nature of things. Uh, not upset about it. Uh, so, yeah, then I, I watched it right away on my phone and was uh, was really excited to see the amount of uh, new shots, some old shots with new spice, all that stuff uh, was uh, the very first thing I did really uh, was just take a picture of the quacky and monkey lizard. But that was that was me, uh, my viewing. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> shot. Uh, I, I love that. Uh, and and I am you know historically a big sports fan, big football fan, but I just don't watch them anymore. And a lot of it is this modern era of streaming. I, I, I don't know where to even find games anymore. It's not like the, <laughs> uh, Force Awakens, you know, you had direct TV. I turned on channel three like I knew where to go. And now I'm like, do I have ESPN plus? I can't. Do I have the live TV version? I don't know. So. <laughs> I just kind of waited patiently and I will admit, and it sounds like looking at my notes, I'm like, am I feeling negative about this? No, I was really excited. But along, along with the poster, I just was like, it, it wasn't the same effect as like a movie, right? As episode 10 trailer dropping or something or yeah. even either, even some of the first looks or teases of other shows where you're like, Oh, I want to see my first shot of, of you and as Obi-Wan. It just, it, it had this like, I will wait because uh, this show is three seasons in and it's going to pop up on YouTube seconds later, which it did. And that's how I saw it. But I just sat there just like waiting patiently, finding my Qui-Gon balance because I was just very curious as to what was going to be shown. We had seen a lot of stuff, celebration footage and whatnot. And I want, what are they going to show? And more importantly, what are they going to set up? Obviously, yeah, that's what a trailer does. But I was just curious to see what they're playing, uh, what they were playing with. So uh, I, I, I was really uh, just... In Zen, in a, in a dinner was ready. Same situation. No, no pasta, Joseph. But I was just like <laughs> checking the clock. Halftime, six seconds. Got a notification from a friend, Kevin. Hey, I think it's about to show, and uh, and that's when I watched it. So, Jen, what was your experience? What your what was your scene? Did you send the kids to bed early at 630? <laughs> yeah. You know, I had a little bit of dark side energy that crept in uh, because last night my, my husband's like, let's go to the Santa Monica Pier. It was freezing. And we went to the arcade. I was I did that dance dance revolution. I was exhausted. I felt like I was going to throw up. So by the time I got, <laughs> by the time I got home, I was like, I don't. I don't care. I felt like we've yeah. seen, right? Like we've seen some of the stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's a new movie. I need to be in a better space to where I'm not grumpy Jen and mm -hmm. I can just 
enjoy it and get back mm. to my Star Wars happy place because I was not in a happy place last night. Yeah. Uh, I watched, I think, the rest of the the, the Last of Us. <laughs> that I got my Pedro Pascal fix there, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I was like, I'll watch it in the morning, which I did. And I was mm. so glad that I waited. I felt much better. I had my cup of coffee and I just mm. felt grounded in my happy Star Wars place, which is, you know, it, where we are emotionally, it affects how we're going to receive it. Right. Absolutely. I, I mean, if, if I had watched it last night, you might have seen me on YouTube being grumpy. One of those grumpy YouTubers. <laughs> that's, that's why I, I did. No, I would never go that far. No, but, um, I love yeah. this, actually. Yeah, I would. I, maybe I might make a rap about it, but uh, no. So <laughs> I watched it this morning, and, and it, it was great. Check out the Jed Landa catalog on YouTube. No, I love this. This is honest. This is why we have this. Because yes, some people are excited watching the game. Uh, Joseph and I both kind of seem to have like a "we'll wait for the YouTube thing to show up." And mm-hmm. I think it's important in this day and age. It's not just Star Wars. Like I said, I've had some. I had some questions going in, or just show me the damn trailer. But that wasn't mean. Doesn't mean I was grumpy, but I, I had to make sure my mindset was in the right spot. And, and, and especially when you're breaking this stuff down and this is why mm-hmm. I don't I'm not take, I love the people that do, do reactions. There's a lot of friends we have that do reactions, but I just think it, it can open the door to what you're feeling at that moment, which has a lot uh, more to do than just star Wars. And, and I, I like Jen that you, you have the lesson of patience. Yeah. And that's why I didn't do a reaction video because I've kind of been doing reaction videos. I thought, you know what? No. And I'm not going to fake it, even though I'm an actor. I was like, that's not that's not what it's about. It's about capturing like the genuine surprise and joy. And when you're so exhausted and cold, you're not going to get good reactions from uh, from me from that. There you go. No. Nope. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, once we saw the trailer, whether you saw it last night, whether you saw it this morning, whether you're seeing it right now during the podcast and you're pressing stop to listen, we want to go to our gut reactions. This is the, the, this is that reaction thing you're talking about, Jen, the, the, and often it's to me, the right instinct. It's the improv thing. We've all done improv. It's your, your instincts, your first instincts usually are right, right? That's where your heart's mm-hmm. taking you. So I want to go to the gut reaction to the trailer, meet your expectations, exceed them underwhelm you which is a possibility uh jen uh, once you saw it this morning what was your thoughts your initial thoughts i really liked the scope of it as we're talking about uh mm-hmm. I, I was like wow there's a lot of different locations they're not just in the volume and no shade to the volume uh but they they got out or or they just have really good uh <laughs> cgi uh because it looked like they got out a lot of locations that was ex- <laughs> who let the mandos out <laughs> who let the mandos out um yeah, so that was exciting. Anytime I see a group of Mandalorians together with their jetpacks, I get ex- excited. I squealed. <laughs> Anytime I see creatures, Kowakian monkey lizards, the Anzellans, I get excited. Um, and overall, I think that they gave us a lot of flavor, but they didn't reveal the surprises, which John Favreau had said, I think it was at Celebration or D23, that every week there was going to be a surprise of some sort. Mm. So I like that they're keeping those secrets. We don't need to know all of it. Um, yeah. Look at what they did with, with baby Yoda, Grogu, right? They kept that a secret. So who knows what awaits us on the other side? Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, there's a lot of things I think going into season two that we felt we knew, right? And some of those mm-hmm. that we were, uh, you know, the air let out like a balloon to get the information over there to distract from the look of it all. I, I think that's a great tactic. But I, I feel, Joseph, that we don't know much about it. So your gut reaction to uh, this, uh, as Jen pointed out, a trailer that showed a lot but didn't reveal everything. 
Yeah, no, I was really, uh, um, it, it exceeded my expectations. There we go. I'm filling out your survey, Ken, and I'm ticking the exceed <laughs> expectations box, everything, uh, the service, the visuals. Yeah, I think it, it does have to do with where your expectations are, right? And for me, I was excited to see some new shots, but really to see a lot of familiar shots and kind of some new spice on them of like, I thought this trailer was going to be more about how are they framing the idea of this season? I was not expecting any major reveals. Hmm. You know, I was not expecting a confirmation that uh, Boba Fett is going to show up, that Sabine Wren is going to be there, that Ahsoka is going to be there. You know, I was really expecting it to give a little bit more lay of the land, use a combination of some old footage and some new footage to kind of just uh, uh, put a different spice on the, on the same dish. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I kind of feel like that's what it was. And that's what was really, really exciting to me. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think it, it, I, I'm thrilled for the, hey, is Cobb Vance going to show up? Hey, it, it, are we, is it going to be a whole Order 66 episode, right? All that is one episode going to be Din and Groku are barely in it. And it's an Ahsoka yeah. episode and people are going to be upset, mm-hmm. whatever. I am excited about all those things, but I think the dark side of that is that we can fall into what we're excited for is who is going to show up, not uh, why are they going to show up? What is it going to mean to Din and Grogu? And I feel like this trailer was so centering on the ideas of uh, what are Din and Grogu going through? What are they trying to accomplish? Uh, confirming that there's going to be a major subplot of what's going on with the New Republic and the uh, the baby First Order, for lack of a better term, if that is where <laughs> the uh, Moff Gideon story is going. I really felt like it was grabbing the ideas of the season uh, by the horns, and that's what it was showing us, as well as a quacking monkey lizard, which was beautiful. Yeah, and, and listening to both of you uh, describe what's going on here, I, I think I stumbled onto some of my, like, darker feelings at the beginning of the conversation. I think I just was expecting to see a lot of the things we'd already seen before, including Bo-Katan, maybe a reveal or two, but we didn't get that. And I love that. I think that's why I love this trailer a lot. I think it exceeded my expectations. Plus it was just damn fun. That music hits and it feels like the return of a friend. Uh, that 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 music's become so timeless. Remember, it used to be brand new and kind of uh, put us on shaky grounds as a fan. What is this music style? And just that opening chord hits and you're like, ah, Manda's back. And I absolutely love that stuff there. And yeah, I, I really think Joseph did a great job of uh, just kind of setting the tone. Uh, one thing you had said to years ago on a show, Joseph, I, I thought it always kind of remains true is, is they never really lie in the marketing. They might play around. <laughs> There's definitely some cuts. Carson Tev is not speaking to Mando in that moment. I don't believe it's, it's two different no. backdrops. It's like Kylo and some of the Ray stuff in, in Last Jedi trailer. But they're really, it's all effective. It's all put together to tell you the story. Uh, uh, in a general term, what we're getting. So the core of the show, this clan of two set against a larger, larger backdrop, that scope you're talking about, Jen, it's definitely present there. And at the end of the day, I love that it was short, quick. It wasn't a three minute, here's everything coming your way. It was just an artistic piece of promotion. And I really love that and respect that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love what you're saying too, Ken, about uh, being happy with the music. Because there's this great t- sense to me of the old and new in Star Wars, which I always love. At this point, Din and Grogu are the old. That theme song is familiar. Mm-hmm. It's exciting for us to, you know, uh, rejoin these friends. But then there's also so much going on in this trailer that's reminding us Din and Grogu are in a different spot. They are moving yep. forward. This is a different uh, game. This is a different time. So it's a great mix 
of the, I get to re-meet my new friends, but my new friends got some new stuff going on. Or my old friends got some new stuff going on. It's like the first day of school. We're like, look, Bruce Targa, he went shopping at Robinson's May and he's got some new robes. This is great. New, new clothes for the school year. All right, but let's 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 get to the main event here. Let's get to the uh, egg and potatoes of this meal here, if that's what you like here. We got themes. We got themes. We got lots and lots of themes. Themes and stakes. What was set up in this trailer uh, for both the main characters and the season? Joseph, we'll start with you. Take us through your theme game plans. We've got a little sports theme going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, there were, there were two big uh, themes, two big uh, tactics to get the ball in the end zone of our narrative. Um <laughs> For me, the first one is this sort of idea of acceptance of power. Uh, Mm. And if you accept you have power, then the question becomes, what are you going to do with it? Mm. I think that's a big theme uh, throughout Star Wars. It's I think goes on a lot with, you know, uh, Ray's journey in the sequel trilogy on and on. But I feel like in particular with uh, with uh, Din and Grogu, that's what's giving them this this new energy. Right. Din has kind of accepted, I think, on some level that uh, he is the holder of this Darksaber. I don't mean that he's entirely accepted it and is all cool with it, but he's accepted his role not as uh, Grogu is a hot potato that he happens to love, right? Because the first two seasons are like, well, yeah, got to protect him, got to save him, got to get him to this Jedi. And there's been this like, I got to get done with this so I can go back to just being whoever the hell I was. And now there's this acceptance that, okay, I don't know exactly what it means to be a Mandalorian. I'm going to keep wrestling with that. I have accepted. I'm this kid's dad. We are a clan of two. Mm-hmm. Now, who are we going to be? And I think that's what jazzed me the most about this uh, trailer, that it starts just with the absolute clarity of that, of, you know, I think it's got together from a couple different perspectives. Um, but that's an amazingly confident speech. Mm-hmm. For Dinjarin, who has been kind of very worldly, he knows about weapons, he knows how to traverse the galaxy, he knows how to have an exchange yeah. to get what he wants and beat people up and all these things. But this was him as leader, as teacher, as mentor, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I don't know if that speech is to other Mandalorians, uh, if it's to himself <laughs> right. in the mirror, if it's to Grogu, but all of it goes to this sort of question of like, well, we are Mandalorians, we have power, how are we going to use it? And then one of the other big revelations to me of this uh, trailer is that Grogu force push at the end. Mm-hmm. One of my absolute favorite moments, uh, reminding us that he does have power, but also showing us that after his time with Luke, that he is feeling better about how to use it and when. Mm-hmm. And it creates this picture that Grogu is extremely capable, doesn't need his father's protection, but instead probably needs his father's guidance. All of it is this big picture of, well, we're the clan of two. Who are we going to be? What are we going to believe in? How are we going to use our power? I uh, love that as a jumping in point. That is that is a wonderful place to start of what to do with these beliefs, these skills, and identities, because that's been what's at stake so so far in the series. And even, yeah, the force push, other than just being a fun moment, uh, it's a cheerworthy moment. Mm-hmm. Exactly backing up what you're saying here. And I'm with you. I love what you said about that speech and Jenna really curious what you think about the speech itself the confidence mm-hmm. level of it I even had the thought of is this something at the end of the show mm-hmm. uh, if you want to actually get into like beat by beat predictions because he did say it with a lot of conviction whoever mm-hmm. said it even if it's to the mirror 
I've said some things in the mirror that I've said with a lot of conviction sometimes. Um, the dueling philosophies of what a Mandalorian is that's been presented in the show thus far, there might be more philosophies, uh, to be clear. It's becoming intertwined and emerging in this kind of new, fresh, and very personal way. This is a, a, a and I'm going to toss in Teva's speech, Carson Teva's speech of, hey, you know, something's happening. And if you don't react soon enough, it might be too late. Paraphrasing, mm-hmm. of course. But that ends, that whole thing, um, uh, there's kind of this run, which uh, you got the speech from from Mando. You got Teva talking about uh, what you got to do with these beliefs and skills, identities, mm-hmm. and connections, which Mando's been connecting with a lot of people along the way from a point of where he wasn't connecting. And it ends with this wonderful Kowakian monkey lizard literally pointing the way, the next shot being grief. Again, <laughs> can this all be editing? Yes, of course. But it's 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 an art piece telling you, hey, take what you got, find who you are, and go connect with the people that matter to you. And, and and you'll find your way in the galaxy. And then what are you going to do with that? I thought I thought it all worked out beautifully. So, Jen, we'll start with you on, on Pedro's uh, speech or Din's speech there. Uh, and where do you go with all this stuff? Yeah, it really was uh, connecting to the theme of, of everyone learning how to lead. You know, Din mm-hmm. learning how to lead. The New Republic figuring out how they want to lead. Um, and really that speech, what I thought was so interesting is, you know, um, when he says you you also have to know how to navigate the galaxy that way you'll never be lost it's about obviously like figuring out what your moral compass is what values do you stand for but it's also about like how when you are connecting with these people sometimes you may need to use force and sometimes you may need to negotiate you may need to have a peaceful approach figuring out just like with life right how are we going to deal with these different types of personalities? And right now, as with the, with the force push that we saw with, with Grogu, Grogu's probably really excited to be able to use a lot of force, no pun intended. <laughs> He's going to need Din to be like, hold on, hold on. Let's calm mm-hmm. down there. Let's let's figure out when we want to use that tactic because we are creating a new way. We yeah. are creating a new path forward. And I thought that that was really, really interesting. And one that that was, well, we'll talk about it, but like, it's important that we got that episode in the book of Boba Fett, because we see the internal challenge that he's going to have of how he was raised versus now how he wants to lead. But he also has some guilt and wanting to atone for his quote unquote sins. There's a lot happening with him that he's going to be wrestling with this season. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I really like uh, picking up uh, that that you the way you're both picking up on the way that speech ends. Of you uh, also have to know how to navigate the galaxy. It's not just about learning how to fight. And mm-hmm. it and honestly did make me think of uh, of my father. My father's been telling me a lot about like I know my my dad says I know the things that my dad did that weren't great. So I didn't know how to raise a kid, but I just decided to do things opposite of my dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they go, "Did it work okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it did, Dad. It really did." Um, <laughs> And it almost does feel like that, like the way that says he says you also have to know how to navigate the galaxy. And it pretty much cuts to him shaking hands with grief. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And it almost feels like him saying I was raised to be there for other Mandalorians, but to do that by being stoic, strong, capable alone. I was never taught how to reach out and work with other people. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to teach you how to reach out and work with other people, kid. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely the feeling there and absolutely the growth of what's going on. When you when you go to that opening shot of season one, episode one, right? The music cue, the door, the lone gunman as it was pitched back then. We are in a different mm-hmm. spot. And that just got that that really gets me 
uh, excited to track this growth. It's it's something that, you know, uh, we all struggle with. I, I personally have always over the years struggled with the, I, I'm good at maybe making friends, but I also function better on my loan, better uh, my, uh, alone. And that's not necessarily the way that's led to success <laughs> or deeper connections. And so uh, I connect with Mando on this and it, it meant a lot. I like that handshake. I like that grief. Number one is there because who doesn't love Carl Weathers? Come on, looks <laughs> just amazing. But yeah, just what it means this new this new version of family and a clan for all of them. Love it. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we got some big stakes in this though, uh, and I I do uh, without a doubt. A lot of people are fans of Carson Teva, not just me. We all love him here. Uh, just love having him here. Love with that flight jacket. It's one of my favorite moments. But it's it's it to me the line. Um, uh, not more than anything, but it's the line that highlights the stakes. The New Republic's foundations could be rocked. Uh, there's this idea of the is the empire being dismantled or is it rebuilding or both? And and, and Din's place and all that and how to keep Mandalore alive out in the galaxy. We got a shot of that Mando helmet in the ruins there of Sindari, uh, which mean, means uh, to me the future of the Mandalorians themselves are at stake. So that's just a, a wide net, Joseph. But uh, where did you go to? And some just the stakes being raised in this trailer. Yeah, I think there are huge stakes in terms of the, the I was going to say global, the galactic impact, right, mm-hmm. of if Mandalore rises again, if the people of Mandalore rise again, how are they going to fit into, eventually, I don't think it's necessarily for this season, how are they going to fit into this battle that's going on as the New Republic is trying to create this peace across the galaxy and maybe ignoring this this giant problem that we know is going to come in, in the form of the First Order. But I think almost more uh, on, on that, thread but personal to din and grogu's journey i was really thinking about it, this idea of trauma right of mm-hmm. uh revisiting pain because on the one hand we have this more forward moving they're both accepting some amount of power they're both trying to move forward and decide who they want to be but then there's also this we got to face our trauma right because mm-hmm. exactly as jen was saying you know even though din is like hey let's decide who we want to be i'm sounding like a leader he's also like but I broke the rules that I was taught when I grew up. So I have to go, you know, be forgiven for my trans- transgressions. Yeah. And how is he going to do that by going to this place of devastation, his destroyed home, uh, addressing maybe his own feelings about, could he have done anything to prevent that? You know, the helmet in the ashes shot is really powerful because it is about trauma and the past trauma and how do we avoid that in the future? And then that one shot of Jedi, you know, is a cool shot in the trailer, but implying that we're going to see Order 66 to me is is huge and important because it's not like a canon thing or a Jedi thing. Like, I'm, I'm excited to see Jedi always. But to me, that one shot tells me Grogu is on the same path as his dad. Mm-hmm. He has to cope with his trauma of what was lost, what was destroyed. You know, mm-hmm. what did he learn? What is he going to take from that trauma going forward um that that one shot to me creates this question of if din's journey is to go back to mandalore to address his trauma is grogu literally going to go back to the jedi temple <laughs> to address his trauma hmm. could you imagine just the shot waddling <laughs> 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 into the temple yeah. uh yeah uh i love this agenda get you in here on this big stake uh, uh of trauma and, and 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 how that relates to the bigger picture as well but the personal growth i think joseph you're very right. You got the ruins of Sindari. We knew that was kind of coming. Uh, and, and, you know, it's not a necessary surprise we're going to get an Order 66 stuff. We can dive into that more specifically. But those are two ruins, right? Those are two big ruins these characters have in their psyche and their souls that they have to deal with. Uh, so, Jen, that's part of the stakes as well. What jumped out to you? 
Yeah, I mean, that's an, such an interesting point. Like, he is seeking this. He is seeking atonement for his transgressions. But charting this new path, is it going to give him what he's looking for? After he goes there and does all that, like, does he, getting the armor's acceptance or forgiveness <laughs> or whatever you want to say, is that going to really bring him what he wants? Or, or is that going to give him peace? Is that going to help him? Or is he going to decide, you know what? I I don't need that. I can make peace with it on my own terms. And going forward, we can have a new way of, of doing things or leading. Um, I am curious to see how that plays out. And for Grogu, oh my gosh, like just that shot. I'm like, well, he, Please, if you're going to tease this, you got to reveal who <laughs> saved him, <laughs> right? There's so much speculation. Is it a lightsaber? It is. Is it something else? Like who is behind the door? Uh, hopefully, we will find out. That's going to be. There's so much pressure on that door right now, both in yeah. the in the story and then on our minds. That door mm-hmm. opens up. Who's there to fight? Who's there to save? What's Grogu staring at? Yeah, a lot there. A lot there as well. Um, uh, in terms of the, the New Republic, Carson Teva, the, the call to action, it goes to what you're saying, Joseph, too. We were all discussing earlier about, cool, you got these beliefs. Yeah, that armor looks pretty cool. You know who, you're, who you are. What are you going to do with it? Because by the way, as I've been saying for a couple of seasons, says Carson Teva, something's going on out there. That's pretty big stuff. Yeah, and that the thing, we, the audience, know that thing going on out there is the attempted rebirth of what brought trauma to both Mm -hmm. Din and Grogu and to Mm -hmm. the places that we might visit this physical Mm -hmm. devastation, like some of it, Hey, maybe that, that helmet is ancient. Right. But the condition of Sundari, uh, it right now is the empire, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the trauma that Grogu is trying to, uh, get past with order 66 is the empire. And then here's Carson Teva saying, Hey, that's all maybe happening again. And nobody's paying much attention. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Jen, your thoughts on, uh, the Empire, the First Order, Carson Teva's jacket. What do you got? Oh, I love that patch. It's a little <laughs> Rancor patch. Yes, um, adorable. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I was actually, I was surprised and delighted to see uh, Captain Carson Teva back. Uh, mm. Paul's son, Young Lee, uh, mm. reprising his role because he's he's such a great uh, character, and I like that he's kind of like a like the Columbo or a detective of the yeah. galaxy, putting the pieces <laughs> together. Right? He's always showing up, like. What's going on here? What what is who is what is everyone up to? Um, and he's and who is he talking to? That's what I want to know. Who is he talking mm-hmm. to? Yeah. Did he get a some like some sort of promotion? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. And what what is going on? And he could be referring to a lot of different things that are happening in the galaxy. What what does mm-hmm. he see as the biggest threat? Um. Yeah. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see what's revealed. Yeah. Mm. And just on a charm level, uh, the wonderful actor of Carson Teva spent the entire night uh, retweeting people's calls for Carson Teva action figures. So Aww. that brought him even closer to my heart. Love it. Uh, oh, absolutely. He deserves He deserves. And now we get different. We can get the X-Wing pilot outfit. We can get the uh, bomber jacket uh, outfit. Yeah. There's, there's mm-hmm. a lot there. I trust me. I want more uh, salt and pepper beards in my Star Wars figures. Uh, <laughs> Not there. Uh, anything I'm leaving on the table, uh, Joseph, that you want to talk about trauma, that, that's big. We, we can talk about that for a long time uh, and the stakes and how it's all uh, tied together. I think everything else is, those are kind of like the big picture things to me. And I think everything else is is diving deeper into, mm. you know, uh, these questions that, that you were both asking of who is Carson Teva talking to? Uh, who did rescue Grogu? What does that mean for the story? I think all of it is kind of diving deeper. 
Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll dive deeper into some of those moments and all that stuff there. Jen, any final looks uh, for you at the themes, uh, things that emerged to you, uh, monkey lizards pointing the way, anything that uh, grabs you? I like that it seems like this. the stakes are obviously the, probably the highest, I feel, uh, that for this um, show. And, you know, one of the things that was interesting about the first couple seasons was that it was like each episode didn't, it's not that I wouldn't say that it connected together, mm-hmm. right? But it kind of did feel like each episode was its own little mission. And I feel mm-hmm. like here there is a, a larger mission and it's going to be a through line through each and every episode kind of leading up to something. So I mm-hmm. uh, I don't think that there's going to be any filler episodes in this season. I think that and it's such an interesting way to look at it and talk about it because I think the way season one and two were constructed reflected a little bit of Din's psychology that he was taught that everything is transactional, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and not in a friendly helping each other out way <laughs> right. uh, necessarily, but it did make it like he's on his quest. He tells everybody he meets what his quest is this season, what he's trying to do. And then he gets wrapped up in their side quest. So each episode does feel like its own adventure. And I am really curious to see if his kind of change in psychology is going to change that. Or if he is going to spend the first half of the season going, I'm trying to get to Mandalore, uh, but you need me to collect uh, 100 uh, <laughs> tip yips? Okay. Right, right. <laughs> I will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a great, it, it's definitely, you know, the, the, the missions, the armor for Suka, like it's all there and it's all part of the makeup of the show that I think we're, we're, we're used to by now. But yeah, yeah, season one, I remember even by like season four or by episode four, I'm like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? And sometimes you just have to wait for the story. You have to wait to just really pick up on what they're doing here and i i'm so that's a big question joseph i i I wonder what that will he react differently to it is he now the one going hey help me like is Mm. he trying is is it more like uh, i need your help i've helped all of you uh i don't know there's just and there's just something because where this trailer begins with you know mandalorians scattered throughout the galaxy you have that great shot and i'm with you jen i think a lot of it shows the extreme um just the growth of the stagecraft of the volume. But that mm-hmm. one shot, I was like, I think they're out at the 118 freeway again. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> uh, right. So we'll see. Because the clouds, I was like, those are either damn fine computer clouds or those are clouds uh, or somewhere <laughs> right. in between. So yeah, I, I, I'm just on a, on a practical level. I'm curious about what week to week, what we're going to be getting, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And what's going on with those Mandos on Navarro, if they're helping or hurting. Uh-huh. Helping yep. or hurting. That is the question that this show might be asking this season. We are not dumb. We're going to take a quick break, but we're going to come back and dive into some of the more specific things, share some of the highlights of the trailer that we all loved as individuals and a group here. But before we do that, we're going to have a Four Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Joseph, what are we suggesting today? We are suggesting the first adventure in phase two of the High Republic. It is called Path of Deceit. It is written by Justina Ireland and Tessa Gratton, and we look forward to diving in. We are going to be diving in. You can as well by downloading your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook. All right, we'll be back and going to dive on in to the Mando trailer. Second by second, maybe. Beat by beat for sure. Stick around for more force center. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to Force Center. We are looking at the Mandalorian official season three trailer, which, you know, there's two versions of, by the way. There's the YouTube slash football halftime version. And then there's the Disney Plus version, which has one extra second of a shot. But it's a big shot. <laughs> We're going to be talking about it there. Before we do that, we've discussed the big themes, the stakes, what we think this trailer is communicating about what's coming. But there are also moments and highlights and lines and characters. We love looking at that. So what were some of the highlights for us, some of the big moments, the characters, confirmations, question marks? Uh, what do you got, Jen? 
Mm, you know, I there were so many things I loved, and I like that you can take it frame by frame and really analyze what is a droid in that shot? Which which <laughs> alien is that, right? So much fun for me. Of course, I'm always gravitating towards the creatures, so I was excited and delighted mm. to see them. The droid cantina yeah. was <laughs> a particular thrill because, obviously, going back to A New Hope, we know how you know droids are seen uh, in the galaxy. And so that was a fun little nod to fans. It was also just fascinating to see, okay, which droids are there? Battle droids! Are they going to say, hey, Roger, Roger, please. <laughs> please let them. Please let them. Um, and to me, oh, and that the one, the creature that Grogu force pushes back, yeah. that looked to me like a person in a suit. And that is like this. This is why I love the Mandoverse. If I love Andor, and I love all the other things, but Mando feels like the warm, cozy Star Wars blanket that I just can curl up into. Mm. It's got the right amount of weirdness, the right amount of like fandom love, right, mm-hmm. and and also freshness and newness. That's uh, that's why I think that this show has been such a hit. For, for me and for a lot of other people and bringing new people into the fold as well. So, oh, there was just so there was just so many fun things and things that I'd already seen before. Right. But I still get delighted to see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, I forgot, you know, with Book of Boba Fett, we're going to talk about it. And that being kind of season 2.5 as has been discussed publicly. I just kind of forgot, maybe so for granted that. Oh, yeah. Mando is definitely its own show. It's its own special field and energy mm-hmm. and look, including stunt performer in costume. Right. It just <laughs> it, 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 and, and I kind of have grown to like that where maybe I think I didn't as much in season one. And that's just that thing of what is new becomes old and familiar and comfortable in the most uh, warm ways. And that's kind of where we're at here. I'll toss some highlights out here, Joseph. But then I want to get to yours. As I mentioned before, I love Carson Teva only because he just kind of it's always represented what I thought about the show. Like how in the world does no one in the new Republic know this? Like you got a guy <laughs> calling him off. You got to come on, come on, come on. Uh, so uh, that's just a general look at it, but excited, uh, excited to have him here and to see him in the trailer. I think uh, season two, we heard him in the trailer. We didn't really know. At the time, just mm-hmm. one tell man to slow down. But now we see him. Uh, one of the highlights a lot of people discuss, and we're going to get to the Order 66 stuff, of course, but the lightsabers are reflecting in Grogu's eyes. It's kind of a, a cool shot and lets you know what's coming. Uh, I, I, I like that freeze frame there. The droid bar, the battle, uh, the battle droids. Yeah, this is an interesting thing for me because I think there's a lot of people who love the Mando, who love the show, but are have that perspective, which is a, a great perspective because it's theirs and it's general of... Didn't we all agree that the battle droids suck, right? Those are the Roger mm-hmm. Roger things from 1999. Uh, and then they haven't seen them since then. And they haven't, like Joseph and I, fallen in love with them on Clone Wars. Right, right. <laughs> the battle. So, Jed, to your point of will they say Roger Roger, I hope they do. And then I, so. I think I, I really predict there's got to be some people making wisecracks online and they're going to look around to a silent room and everyone's going, <laughs> oh, no, we don't do that here. We love the battle droids. Yes, so. wearing my battle droid shirt proudly, you know. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. so great. Yeah. Uh, I liked R5 in the droid slot and Zellens, uh, a.k.a. the Fricks, as a lot of people have said. It works <laughs> for me. Uh, and um, I absolutely, oh, I, I, uh, tie interceptors and, and the chase in the Mandalorian gauntlet. That's cool. We talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I got to say, I do love the shot of, of them being Din and Grogu and perhaps uh, R5 leaving in the N1 with the fireworks behind them. Uh, mm. Kind of, I don't want to get into beat by beat predictions, but I'm like, 
kind of seems episode one like especially if he had just finished up with Boba Fett and Fennec and there's if if they continue pick up at all with that there might be a celebration maybe it's an anniversary of sorts <laughs> who knows who knows and he's got to go do this he has done what he needed to do uh to help Boba Fett and all the themes that connect with that story and now it's time to go out on his own or go on to the next journey and you know in a series that is in um, the Outer Rim, where it's a, you know, it's an, it's the New Republic, but it's a darker corner of the galaxy, still working through some of the stuff. And we know that's going to be at stake in, in, the, in the series. I just like to see celebration and joy. And that was kind of fun. I like that little shot. So that's some of mine. But uh, Joseph, what did you uh, go to in terms of highlights? Yeah, a, a lot of similar stuff. But I love what you're both saying about just the the big picture tone, too. We talked about, like, the big ideas. And I, I feel like Mandalorian is great at having this uh, very minimal but very deep and very emotionally moving story, which is why people get hooked. But it does also just love Star Wars, all aspects mm-hmm. of Star Wars, right? It loves the, the pulpy adventure. It loves the sci-fi. And it loves the weirdo aliens. I mean, this is the show that yeah. gave us Frog Lady, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Pelimoto. Uh, so to see that vibe continue and, and Jennifer, you just, uh, you're making my heart flutter with like, yeah, guy in suit playing weird <laughs> fishy cave monster guy. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. Let's yeah. absolutely sit in Marty Croft with a budget. Let's do oh it. My Great. Gosh, yeah, <laughs> Love exactly. it. It's totally, it's totally land of the lost. Yeah. Little land of the lost. Sigmund and the sea monster. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was trying to, I was like, why does this this creature look, alien look familiar? That's why. Mm. Total end of the lost. Yeah. Mm. Uh, younger people, if you don't know, many of you might, but if you don't know, give yourself a treat and, uh, and <laughs> Google Sid and Marty Croft and <laughs> marvel at the, uh, at the technology we grew up with. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I think my my favorite moments were a mix of that sort of fun stuff and that, ooh, is this going to tell this story? I think one of my very, very favorite number one things is that Grogu force push. Mm-hmm. Not just the force force push, mm-hmm. but the little, the look on his face and the way they keep getting new emotions mm-hmm. out of that uh, wonderful um, puppet Muppet, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, whatever the proper noun for Grogu is. He has on his face, what I can only describe is a little Zen bleep eating smile. Um, it's, it's fun because it, it's cool force push, right? And it, and, and, uh, Din is nowhere to be seen. And Grogu has saved the day with the force a couple of times, but like out of sheer instinct and almost even confusion, right? Mm-hmm. This is so confident. This is so, I know what the force is. I know how to use it. This is a, force push it is kind of peaceful it's get a, get away from me i'm not gonna let you hurt me mm-hmm. and that look on his face is so content with uh it doesn't hurt to use this i'm not confused and frightened to use this i know what it is you know mm-hmm. um it gives him so much power so absolutely it was just a cool moment uh and i loved it for everything that it tells us about what grogu's journey might be and how there might be new and variety in grogu it's not just going to be the same as season one and two mm-hmm. um so i love that um we knew the armor was going to be in it, but having a fresh armor shot, having uh, the Pelimoto presence confirmed, I hope that those two continue the way they kind of came together in that Book of Boba Fett Mandalorian episode to be these sort of counter influences on Din. I hope their presence together in the season uh, continues that. Um, I was really jazzed by the the uh, droid parlor um, with mm-hmm. the because the B1 battle droids are there, but really pausing and looking at it, 
Yeah, it do- really does look like a droid bar, a droid cantina, droid hangout. It looks like they, instead of drinking, they were charging themselves. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. boiling up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it's a special kind of electricity that uh, <laughs> gives them a little buzz. I don't know. Uh, but it really did make me feel like those are battle droids who might say Roger Roger, but perhaps uh, darker. Maybe maybe mm. these are battle droids who are aware of what they have been put through and that most of them are gone. Oh. Um I really did get the vibe that this might be the droid Gatra from the publishing side. Um, yeah. Oh. Uh, for people who, who are haven't read about it in various books or comics, there's kind of a, a faction of droids who are extremely aware <laughs> that they are sentient and kind of want to have their own um, places, their own power. They want to be free of uh, being tortured and used by organics. Mm-hmm. Um there's a real vibe that like Din in organic just walked into a droid bar that he is not supposed to be in, but he needs something there, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's not going to be cheesy to me if the bartender says we don't serve your kind here. It, it would, it would be very important. <laughs> very important. Uh, and, and he'll be Mandalorian. No organics. Yeah. Yeah. In the droid uh, that it looked like there was tending um, electricity mm-hmm. bar uh, looked similar uh, to the droid that is in the speeder with uh, uh, Pershing on Coruscant. And the droid to me looked a little bit like this, the droid that popped up in Rebels uh, uh, season three, the episode Warhead had that very classic original 3PO uh, drawing by Macquarie design. And then turned out to be the this uh, super powerful infiltrator droid. I, I believe the technical thing from Wikipedia, the EXD series infiltrator droid. Mm. I don't know if it's the same droid, but if it is, I'm kind of excited about the continued uh, using things from animation and bringing them into live action. Yeah, and and you had brought that up off air, and, and we did a kind of an image search, and it's uh, I mean it's a 99% match just just on that face. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's into what you know what end we don't know, but I, I I'm with you. I love that the the callbacks, a lot of Macquarie stuff in the show. Also, by the way, it wouldn't be the first time Mando did something based off Macquarie stuff that Rebels did that aren't actually connected. The the ice spiders come to mind, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> yep. right. Of, uh, exactly. We're both just paying our respects, but yeah, I'm with you. It, it looks very. Uh, I think that's a great point. Yeah, yeah, and they, we've joked about the quacking monkey lizard, but really, I mean, the the just just a great shot in the caption: tree lizard screeching. <laughs> What's not to love? And showing the evolution of Devaro. It's great mm-hmm. to see that the leg of that IG Eleven statue. I had forgotten yeah. about. It's great. Um, yeah. Final thing for me is I, I really like that Carson Teva's line in the show is it's important and high stakes, like you've been saying, Ken. But it's also just right on the nose because it really does feel like Carson Teva saying, do you want the first order? Because this is how you get the first order. Like yeah. it's it's not um, subtle. And I think that's great because it's telling us it's playing fair. It's telling us this is what this series of shows is is dealing with is, you know, mm-hmm. could could the first order have been stopped? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, I like that. It could lead to big answers, bigger questions, all that stuff. But I, I'm with you. That is just direct. That Carson Tev is a straight shooter. He's a gumshoe on the on the on the hunt for answers, and he doesn't have time. Mm-hmm. He wants to tell you what's up, what's at stake. You mentioned the IG11 uh, 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 statue, which a lot of people uh, mentioned. I think it was in season two, but it's on the, on the stepping on the head of a stormtrooper, and then in that one shot, it's gone. Mm-hmm. So my thought mm-hmm. is, are 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 the uh, the the group from episode one? Season one, episode one, have they returned to get revenge? And the fact that you are 
glorifying this joy that killed us. Uh, mm. We have issue with that. It could be something else, probably a little bigger, but who knows? Who knows? Mm, I like that. Uh, a lot of stuff there. A lot of stuff there. Okay. We got some bigger questions though that we want to ask. And uh, look, uh, here's the thing. All right. How are we, let me just ask the question. Let me just ask the question. <laughs> How are we currently feeling about Din and Grogu being reunited in the Book of Boba Fett, as we all saw, or at least it seems some of us did, and ready to race ahead here in this trailer? That might be a leading question because that's where I start. <laughs> all of you out there can have your snark. And there's been a lot of snark today, a lot of it from uh, people, smug people being smug on the Internet. Who would have thought? What a formula. But I think the thematic choices were played with. And, and, and decisions made in Book of Boba Fett. And now we can move forward. I am sorry. I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm more on the side of, I'm glad Book of Boba Fett was 2.5. It was part of this larger universe. They all have value. All the stories have value. And uh, we got one of the all-time great episodes of Star Wars, I think, with that Bryce Dallas Howard directed episode. Mm-hmm. With the, the, the uh, as you call mm-hmm. it, Joseph, the tale of two moms. Uh, and now we are ready to go. I like it. I love it. But... I might be a little grumpy today. Jen, you seem to have joined your heart. We'll start with you on this here. I love the book of Boba Fett. You know, fight me on it because I I have, (laughs) I love that show and I, you know, whatever. Okay. So people are going to not like it. Fine. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if you just take that episode, it is a fantastic episode and I love it because it shows their, their journey, Din and Grogu's journeys, and it gives us time to see what they're dealing with so that we can hit the ground running with this season of The Mandalorian. It was very important. Um, it fit within the book of Boba Fett. Who knows if Boba Fett might make an appearance in The Mandalorian season three? Maybe. Uh, who knows if Ahsoka might show up, right? We don't know. But I really, really like it. And I think it was important to see Grogu choose to go back with Mando. Mm -hmm. He he is rejected, basically, becoming a Jedi. He's made peace with that. And we needed needed to see that. Plus, we got this incredible uh, uh, Luke Skywalker, uh, young Luke Skywalker. So for that, I'm happy that we got that episode. Love everything you say. I'm not going to fight you on it. I'll be in your corner. Uh, I understand that is a, a little bit of a, of a different show. Uh, a lot of people didn't uh, connect with uh, some of the Book of Boba things. I get it. I really do. But I, I just think there's so much value to that show. Mm-hmm. And the the jokes about the jokes about it are just like it's 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 like the stormtroopers miss when they shoot. We got it. Good for you. You made your joke, but can you tell me what it all means? Can you dive into the themes and how that 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 tale hooked up with the themes that were going on in Boba Fett's life and Fennec Shan's life and how it all's just moving it forward? And oh, by the way, they couldn't get Pedro during that time. That's one of the reasons they made that damn show. Mm. And so either you have nothing or you have this wonderful show that explored a character changing Boba Fett and how it tied into the galaxy around him and the people around him. I think it all has value and I love and I'm excited. And Joseph, we're hitting the ground running. But please, where are you at with this? I think it is all about choice. (laughs) I think it's about choice for Din and Grogu, as Jennifer was saying. But I also just think it's it's about choice for for viewers. I, I understand where some of the criticisms come from i don't ultimately um agree with them but i do understand where they come from mm-hmm. i understand saying hey that was an amazingly emotional finale to season two 
where Din let go of Grogu because he knew that's what was best for him. So, hey, are you just undoing all of that and in another show? I get that question coming up in your mind. Um, I also get the criticism of Book of Boba Fett that maybe it should have been advertised even more of saying this is, you know, our, the continuing story of this era. Uh, but it we're focusing on Boba Fett stories, but be sure to expect all these other stories to continue. Maybe people would have received it much better than, you know, I've talked to people, uh, frankly, our age who love Boba Fett and they like Mandalorian, whatever. They're not tuned in and they just sat down to watch a Boba Fett show and they were confused, you know, like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, I get it. Those things are understandable and they're valid. And I think we're just at the point where it's just a choice. Because to me, those two episodes, the one uh, really focusing on uh, Din, the one really focusing on Grogu, are two of my favorite episodes of Star Wars storytelling. They are vital to the story of The Mandalorian. If you don't like the Boba Fett thing or didn't feel it worked or, you know, really didn't like those colorful speeders, which I also understand, it's just choice. You can just let those things go. You can watch those two episodes of Book of Boba Fett uh, to catch up and enjoy the journey and try to receive the the story as it was told. And what's exciting for me and why I don't agree with the criticism that, hey, we had this great emotional finale in season two. Uh, We did. This doesn't undermine it. Din and Grogu are on this path to kind of protect one another keep one another alive and felt like by the definition of who they are they can't be together they Mm -hmm. can't be a family they can't be a clan of two so they sadly uh you know let one another go and then we have these two nice methodical episodes to show hey actually we can choose to be a family it's huge that din din is uh you know absolutely mortified that he took his helmet off and he's like i'm gonna go fix that but first, I'm going to find my boy and make sure he's okay. He yeah. chooses that, right, over his sin redemption. And then, of course, everything about the Grogu episode is is choosing to be with Din. So I love that those choices were made, that we've got nice slow episodes to deal with them, uh, slow emotionally, and yeah. now we can just hit the ground running mm-hmm. with them in a new place. They made a choice, and because they went through those journeys and made that choice, they're in an entirely different place because there's no question, should we be together? Mm. And if Din had just never handed Grogu off to Luke, they wouldn't be in that same place, I don't think. Yeah, no, I, I agree with what you're saying uh, 100%. And, uh, you know, at the risk of, of, of starting a fight that Jen wants to have with some folks here. Uh, I'm, I'm ready. Corner. <laughs> I'm ready, ready. No, it's just like, you can choose to be above the art. You can choose to be snarky and smug above it. You can choose to get your tweets with all your views that we now see. You can do that. Or you can engage with what was presented to you with our big mantra around here and find out what is there for the story, for you, for in it, for you in it, and, and, and understand it and explain it. Or you can have your reels and you can get your reels out there with your snark. I just think I've lost a lot of patience over last year or so for that. Where, again, I, I really understand what you're saying, Joseph, about understanding. Uh, They made a decision as artists and not every decision is going to work 100%. Not every joke I tell on stage works, but sometimes Mm -hmm. I stand by them because it's building to something else or it's a part of a larger uh, theme I'm I'm, I'm dealing with. And I respect that even more. And also now here we are, a new season and we're ready to go. And and if you didn't watch it, that's fine. I, I don't know what to tell you, but it's similar to, 
you know, uh, other connected th- parts, Maul returning and solo, some of the stuff in Rebels. It's it's all there for you, but you don't have to watch. You don't have to love it. Um, but then to place yourself in a position above it, it's just become tiring for me and, and cuts away at some of the joy. But there's so much joy to be found in this trailer that it's not uh, it's not waylaying me. I'm okay with it. Yeah, and I also think like there's there's still so much in that season two finale. It it, it is not just about Luke showing up, right? It's about both of them making uh, this choice, uh, and they're still dealing with the choices. Apparently, a huge part of season three is going to be that uh, Grogu basically said, "Yeah, I'll leave, but I want to touch your face. I want to see your face. Let me touch your face." Yeah. <laughs> Din takes his helmet off. He has no doubt about his love for Grogu. But he still feels bad that he shouldn't have done that, right? And, like, they're not going to have a conversation about it because I don't think Grogu is going uh, full verbal. But, like, that's fascinating that Din and Grogu are back together. We chose each other. We love each other. We're the clan of two. And then Din's like, and also, I shouldn't have shown you my face. And I got to do a bunch of weird crap to make up for that emotional connection we had. And Grogu, how's Grogu going to feel about that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the show is called The Mandalorian. We have to explore what it means to be a Mandalorian. Yeah. What does it mean for the armor? What does it mean for Din, right? And that that episode where the armor says, then, you know, Mandalorian, you are no more. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. What an emotional uh blow to him you can see it both in the physical performance and you can hear it in Pedro Pascal's voice performance Mm -hmm. it's just fantastic and that that moment sets up obviously the journey that we're going to get in season three but also it it gives us stakes you know it gives us uh, it gives us a glimpse into what he's what he's experiencing what he's struggling with and what he wants to become as a Mandalorian Hence mm-hmm. the title. So <laughs> I think, you know, you don't you don't have to like the book of Boba Fett, but those episodes are important and I think worth revisiting. I mean, I'm certainly going to rewatch them before going into this season. Absolutely. And I'm excited to. They're great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the themes in that show, you know, what was does not mean it has to be what you are, what they call you, what they think of you does not mean that's who you are. All those kind of things and the choices right. that go into it are at playing Book of Boba Fett. Now we're just moving the story forward. But I have this battle, too, with, you know, Dawn breaks on Endor and the Empire's defeated and the story ends. And that's that has no meaning now. That's not the way it works. That's not the way our life works. You don't come to some big decision and go, I great, I accepted the job and that's the end of my story. Uh, these things go on. This is why we're here. So uh, there you go. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it on the table. I love the decision now more than ever. Uh, but we have some other big decisions that they're making here. Um, we got this one. We're, now we'll say this. There's some speculation. And we'll, I, I will cite our, our buddy Alex Damon, who actually raised some doubt in my brain about this. I have this question here. We got this return to Coruscant. And, and, and what do we think returning to Coruscant means for the story? But pause. Stop the presses. Or could that be Hosnian Prime? Or, Joseph, you had the idea. It could also be a third big city planet. Coruscant. <laughs> Zin Prime. It could be something else. <laughs> Although Kree City Planet. Um, what do we think here uh, about uh, the Coruscant of it all, Joseph? Yeah, I mean, I, I hope that it's Coruscant. Uh, yeah, it, it absolutely could be something different. And, and then I'll be like, great, what, what story do you want to tell me? Um, I hope it's Coruscant because I'm really interested in the idea of what is the New Republic presence like on Coruscant? Um, mm-hmm. Yes. 
a lot of this show, ha- uh, The Mandalorian has shown us that uh, the New Republic isn't fully present in the Outer Rim. They're stretched thin. But when they do show up, they are a force to be reckoned with. You don't want to be on the wrong side of the New Republic. So what is it like in the former heart of Coruscant? Did just too many awful things happen there? <laughs> you know? Uh, so all of that kind of idea, I think the possibility of that's where Grogu's trauma is. And there's this great, you know, uh, symmetry. Mm-hmm. That Din needs to go to Mandalore to the heart of his trauma, and that Grogu might need to return to Coruscant to the temple to revisit his trauma is really intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the the fact that the the shot of Coruscant is Pershing, right? Mm-hmm. Pershing seems like this guy who's just like I'm just kind of good with genetics, and I find myself caught in a web of Sith intrigue, and it's mm-hmm. not for me. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'd get out of this if I could. But I don't seem to be able to. And I really do hope it's it's Coruscant. Uh, I guess it doesn't matter if it's Coruscant, but Hazian Prime. So he couldn't be dealing with this kind of question of um, did they get what they need from Grogu for the next stages of what mm. is happening with mm. the, the cloning? And and who who is leading that? What uh, yeah. weird, uh, you know, gr- wrinkled, uh, upsetting old... <laughs> You know, imperial dignitary uh, of Sith cultist is meeting with Pershing. That that's the some of the fun speculation that my mind goes to. I love all that there, and I'm hoping that the client is not uh, dead and and Vorna Herzog returns to see him <laughs> one more time. Uh, I'm with you on. Uh, Got to be you know open to whatever it is. We had the the speculation going into season two that was running rampant of is that uh, Ilum is uh, and you know turns out it's somewhere totally new and that's what the show's kind of done. This one just has all the earmarks, of course, and mm-hmm. uh, and I I think that's ultimately where I put my. My chips, because it represents, you're talking about Joseph, the past, and, and also that's, uh, you know, kind of what we're dealing with a lot. Uh, the trauma of the galaxy is at stake, too. Or the, even the description we'll talk about here in a second. Um, and even on the timeline, even though I think by now the capital should have moved to Chandrilla mm-hmm. before it gets to Austin Prime. They, yeah, there's all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, you know, Coruscant's still the center of it here. Uh, you know, you, you look at, uh, we, I was even discussing this uh, off air with a buddy that, you know, they pointed out, well, don't, you know, New York was our capital before we became D.C., but New York's still pretty important, New York City. It was a big presence. Uh, so I think it's that kind of vibe as well. So, uh, Jen, uh, your thoughts here, and you could put a simple prediction down if you want, but uh, where are you going with this? Yeah, Alex said that he's putting money on Hosnian Prime. I'm putting money on Coruscant. Now, as we talked about in a previous episode, I'm a terrible gambler, so that does not mean much. Uh, but I, you know why? Is because when I think of uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni, they're like my dads who listen and who are going to give me a good present on Christmas because they listen to what I want. And so (laughs) they know that Star Wars fans want to go back to Coruscant. We want to see it. And for that, they're not going to give us like some Cordonia or whatever. Right. (laughs) Cordonia. (laughs) I think that they're going to give us Coruscant. And I think it's important and connected to the story. It perhaps is what leads to the flashback for Grogu or, uh, you know, revisiting his trauma as you guys are talking about. Uh, So I think it all makes sense, obviously with the Republic as well. Since that's an important storyline, what are they up to? Uh, there's a lot of reasons why it should be Coruscant. So that's my wager. I'm putting down some credits. Not much, though. <laughs> Not much, indeed. No, friendly wager. Yeah, no, I love everything you both are saying there. One question I had here, because uh, you know, assuming it's it's Coruscant, 
uh, Coruscant. I, I think we really want to see that. And there's this appeal to Coruscant in live action, modern day Star Wars storytelling, even a glimpse in Rogue One or returning to it or the possibility of returning to it. And uh, uh, of all the things uh, in that uh, so-called, uh, you know, uh, duel of the fate script that was out there, uh, the Battle of Coruscant was something that, I, yeah, actually, I would have loved seeing that. Love to see that. So what what is the appeal? Just analyzing Coruscant itself in Star Wars, Joseph. Why why do we there's generally a call to, hey, yeah, let's go back to that. Yeah, well, I just think it, it it's a it's the center of the galaxy, right? I mean, like mm-hmm. literally and the the seat of power politically. Um, it was great to see it in in Andor in different ways. So I think for me it's like this is this uh, you know, scar in the heart of the galaxy, right? This is where power has always sat and now we're in a place where like and what happened here was so awful that the new government is like yeah that can't be our seat of power but whatever you know astronomical number of beings still live there it's still got to be absolutely important to the galaxy in every respect right uh from uh, financially to culturally right so like it is almost like what if um i love the new york uh, analogy it's almost like what if you know everybody's like hey new york is still really important but nobody really likes talking about it. <laughs> it's kind of a bummer, you know. We just don't really, yeah, you know. Yeah. Cor- in this specific era, that's what's fascinating to me about Coruscant. I think that's a great way to look at it, and and also just this um, for me spending so much time there in the prequels and love those films now more than ever. But you know, it, it, the, the movies were made in different ways, shot in a different way. And I think just that rogue one shot alone was just like, it felt even more real to me because it mm. felt real in the prequels, by the way, I still, I still love it. I, the, the opening attack, the clones and just racing through it. Still, still one of my favorite things in the score with Williams, all that stuff. But yeah, there's just something where like, even on the like Lego star Wars games, like I just want to go wander around, Corson and go grab a bite at Dex's and get on with my day. And like, I just, I don't think that's what's coming here. Where Pershing's not going to go grab a snack at Dex's diner. We could cross our fingers. Um, <laughs> I just, yeah, there's just something about it. There's a little bit of prequel love and pre- prequel recognition that I think comes from Coruscant. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that it, it is, uh, that we just kind of feel the love in a way there. So um, uh, I don't know. Jen, any final thoughts on Coruscant there? Or why do you feel, we want to see it. I think it's definitely nostalgia, right? For those mm-hmm. reasons that you just stated. I also think it's because when I think of Coruscant, it does feel so much like our world. What would our world be like in the future? And what would New York City look like, right? And I think that because of that, that's why it's so fascinating. Like you're saying, like, where am I going to grab a bite to eat? Where am I going to go to the dry cleaners? Like, what, like what is everyday life in this place that seems so reminiscent to ours story-wise i also think it's interesting because it's like like you're saying what what kind of uh not necessarily propaganda but what kind of uh, positive press are they going to have to put out hey we're we're back but this things are good we're not gonna we're not gonna go down the evil road again um there's a lot to overcome that would create a lot of conflict but for me yeah. i just i want to live in coruscant because it's yeah, like- cool yeah, and like, what's the deal with the uh, the Senate Chamber and you know the Jedi Temple that was you know the the Imperial stronghold as well? Like, it, I want to make a real world spirit Halloween joke. Like, is it just like <laughs> are, they, are we trying to turn those into museums? Do we just got some you know no longer in use signs in Orabesh outside them? You know, yeah. what's going on in this era? What's going on? And more importantly, is Doctor Pershing going to visit Edie Karn? Is that? <laughs> 
He wants an old family friend there. In the mm-hmm. Disney Plus trailer, there was this one extra shot here of what uh, does again look like Corson. Uh, shadowy figures of, of Pershing and the commanding officer from Gideon's um, uh, fleet there. Uh, and standing in front of a Star Destroyer, an Imperial Star Destroyer that looks to be uh, in the process of being dismantled. Or hey, you could look at it being rebuilt. It, it, mm-hmm. To me, uh, maybe a combination of both. Um, that was uh, a pretty wonderful shot, I thought, to to drive home the theme uh, and, and what's at the center. And what, again, Coruscant represents. Did you both have a chance to see that version of the trailer? Did you know about it until someone <laughs> tweeted it? Where, where, what was your relationship to that, Joseph? Uh, I didn't know about it until we uh, talked right before I recorded and you told me about it. And I went and looked at it real quick and uh, it's a great shot. And also, I just kind of feel like it does just kind of underline the importance of this plot to the larger Mandovers. Mm. Mm. Indeed. Jen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know about it until, uh, yeah, I think it was Alex that pointed it out. And I went, oh, my gosh, how did I miss it? And then, I, of course, I was like, what else did I miss? Nothing. Just that one shot, which <laughs> I have a lot of questions. <laughs> Why? Why was that one shot added or not added into the YouTube version? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it had the, it had a weird McClunky vibe of well, what, what, wait, why was that there? Like, what? Mm-hmm. okay, okay. Mm-hmm. but I love both of them there. Uh, Peli Moto, of course, in the show uh, is listed. All, Amy Sedaris listed as a star of the show now, bumped up uh, mm-hmm. it would appear in terms of the cast, at least in the press release. Uh, she said, number one, she's there. We got we got the pitroid. We got our five now in the N one. Uh, we got all that. But she says, "May the force be with you." Uh, I'm trying to recall how many times we've heard that phrase in Mandalorian. I can't recall any. Do you guys have any memory of that? We have force being mentioned, but may the force be with you? Not yeah. off the top of my head, no. Yeah. So what is our reaction to that and its potential meaning to the story? Uh, Jen? I thought that that was an interesting choice. And the only thing I can really think of is that she maybe knew that Grogu went off to try and do some training. And now she might think of him as a little Jedi, even though technically it's not. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so maybe it was like a nod to that. Because it did kind of come out out of left field for that very reason. I'm like, when was the last time Mm -hmm. a character said to me the force be with you in the Mandoverse? I can't think of a time. Yeah, someone out there could correct us. Uh, again, I know, sure. I know mm-hmm. there's Jedi Force things, all that could have been mentioned, but this and that class, that's a classic phrase, right? We get that. Yeah. We know that, but it has a lot of meaning, Joseph, uh, uh, in the galaxy and especially for it to be said, you know? Yeah, no, I think uh, the context of what's going on in the scene, why does uh, Peli need to load R5 into that droid socket? Um mm-hmm. I think when they're some of the shots where they're in hyperspace and, and, uh, it, it, it looks like, uh, Din is either taking a nap or unconscious. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's a, there's some of like the fun plot speculations is, did, you know, did the ship end up there and Grogu's like, you know, needs to use the force to communicate with her of like, I need to get my dad somewhere. <laughs> so who knows about that? But I think in the big picture, Pelly is often this, voice of comic reason and perspective it's said in a comedy way but she's a little bit of the down to earth i've been around the galaxy i don't know if she's literally been around the galaxy but that's her sort of her vibe Mm -hmm. um in in perspective she offers din perspective a lot of the time right Mm -hmm. so i'm curious if we're going to get into grogu connecting more with the force does peli have a a funny but honest take on what the force is uh, yeah. on Jedi she met 
as a younger woman, right? If if Din's still wrestling with it, what are Mandalorians in? I don't know, I met some Jedi. They seem they seem cool, but I guess I'm supposed to hate them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess they're supposed to be my ancient enemy. And I guess is it problematic uh, that my son is one kind of, you know? Yeah. Um. So I'm interested to see if Peli will have a take on the Force on the Jedi. But more than anything, just this idea to me that uh, that she'd be like, oh, this kid that everybody was trying to defend and protect. Oh, he's he's a little Jedi guy. Well, good for you. Like supportive of the path that Grogu's on, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's so true. Uh, I, I, I think it means all the things you both are saying, addressing other people, other people's beliefs, acknowledging different paths, Grogu's upbringing. But there's such joy in it. And it is, you know, it does represent a potential challenge for did maybe not as now as much as in the past, but that's, there's some weight to that. There's some, there's some baggage attached to Jedi with Din and the Mandos, this, this we know. So I just kind of liked it period. Yeah. And, and the joy behind it, that it would just be a, a, a simple broken down way to look at it. You know, like meaning, you know, it's just kind of direct and honest from Pelly, which is what you would expect from her, what the character has uh, grown to be. Uh, and also for me, it's a reminder that in this era, you could you could say this, right? There's no one's gonna stop you from saying this, but it mm-hmm. seems like it may be, you know, we're only five years out ish, um, a little more now, but like it just, it still carries a lot of weight when you hear it. And I kind of that's the feeling I got from it. And it could just be a little blip of a moment, of course, but that, to choose it in the trailer, I thought there was some weight behind that. So I'm excited to see it there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. All right, it looks like we'll have more with Order 66 and Grogu at the Jedi Temple. I want to get into some thoughts and hopes on this, but also acknowledge it. Yeah, uh, I guess I'm I'm on an anti-snark terror today uh, over my coffee. <laughs> A lot of people, um, I don't know, there's just some weird feeling. Not weird, That's it's your feeling to have. But a lot of people have, uh, here we go again with more Order 66 stuff. But I, I, I do agree with some people out there of like, well, but in all the shows, this is one you'd expect Order 66 to show up based on what we've already mm-hmm. seen. It is this big point of trauma that you brought up, Joseph, and we've discussed. Uh, so you can bring that up if you want. But I, I, for one, I love the reflection of the sabers. I want an answer. Who is it going to be? I'm not expecting that door to open and Anakin's there fighting. I think it's probably just some clones, but who knows? And I'll say here before we dive in even more. I love that we have the many different pieces of Order 66, including Revenge of the Sith. It's a pretty traumatic incident for the galaxy, Mm -hmm. an incident that some don't believe the truth of, that some have a different theory of. It reminds me, without going into specifics of real world stuff, but some of those giant uh, global galactic events or wars or things we experience or assassinations or news events where were you when? And we all have a relationship to that. And uh, there's often different perspectives in those events. So to go back and watch Order 66 and know that this is when Kiati Mundi's dying over here. And this is happening to Stas Ali over there. And then we have Riva and her, her fellow students running around trying to avoid the all, uh, you know, we Cal Kestis. I like uh, that it, it, we have these different perspectives. It is this it, it, galactic event that changed the game. So I want to spend more time with it. I think there's a lot to learn from it, though it is traumatic. And if, if you're also like, hey, I just don't want to deal with that. There's this too real world for me. Uh, I understand that. That's valid. But the kind of roll in your eyes of, oh, we're going back to it. I, I Again, I want everyone to have their opinions. But I just would, that's my what I put out there, that this is a pretty important event in the Star Wars story. So that's my thought. Joseph, thoughts, hopes. <laughs> 
It's a big, uh, it's, I passed a big baton to you there. <laughs> so, oh, the, I'm, I'm going to try to levitate it with the force, uh, like yeah. Grogu. Uh, no, I really agree with you. I think it, it should be looked at as a seismic event, a huge uh, event in history where everything violently suddenly changed, right? Yeah. And to me, we're not visiting Order 66 to visit Order 66. We're visiting it through the eyes of this character because it is, they're probably defining trauma. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand, I agree if you're kind of like, that is an event uh, where children get traumatized and I'm not in the mood to see it. I wish we didn't, it didn't pop up so much. I totally get that. Yeah. Um, but from the storytelling perspective, every time we visit Order 66, we are visiting it through the eyes of the character and we see the trauma in a different way. And when we first see it in Revenge of the Sith, it's, you know, Obi-Wan and Yoda's shock that it happened and probably guilt that they weren't there to stop it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when we've seen it through Reva's eyes, it's that she was brutalized personally by Vader and one of the few people who saw him and knew and survived mm-hmm. to know it was him, right? And and on and on, Cal and and uh, Kanan, uh, you know, Caleb, it was the loss of their mentors. That's how we saw it and experienced it, you know, and that they have to find their own way now. Uh, all these different things. So that's what's interesting to me of if we're going back there, we, we saw the flash and we from Ahsoka, you know, sort of mind melding with Grogu. Right. So we kind of know that is his origin story and we could just leave it there. But the fact that we're going back means that there's more to the story that is important to Grogu moving forward. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see in that that shot of why does he need, why do we, the audience, need to see it again? Why does he need to relive it? What is he trying to unlock and why? Mm-hmm. Because like on an emotional level, it makes sense to just be like, you, you got to face your trauma, um, you know, and, and uh, it, you know, maybe in the real world, that means we're literally just talking through it, processing it, right? But in a mm-hmm. story, that means an active goal. <laughs> by facing your trauma, where are you physically going? What are you physically accomplishing in that moment? And that's what's kind of exciting to me of, does is he facing that trauma? Because he needs to remember the rest of what happens. He needs to remember who saved him. Does he need to remember who saved him? Not so he can give us the fans an answer, but because Grogu or his dad needs something. You know, I, I, to me, I, there's a part of me that sort of spirals out and like, does Din need help with the dark saber? <laughs> yeah. And and does Grogu and Ahsoka's not around and they don't think Luke would help with that. And they're looking for somebody who can help. And Grogu knows, hey, if I look at the darkest moment of my life, I will find a helper. I I'm gonna I'm gonna live uh the Mr. Rogers quote, you know, yeah. by going back to Order 66 in my mind. Those are some of the places that kind of emotionally and practically that my thoughts go. Yeah, more than just answers. But the answers, when they emerge, will be interesting as well. So it's a win-win for me, Jen, your thoughts on Order 66 and returning to it through Grogu's eyes. I think it's a really uh, interesting risk. They they didn't have to take it, right? They they showed us the glimpse and that could be enough for, for the story or for some, for some fans. But it's a risk to potentially show the rest of, of what happened. Who is the person that potentially saved him, rescued him? And obviously, it's important. If they're taking that risk, they're doing it to serve the character, to serve the story. And that, to me, gets me excited because uh, they're not just going to throw it out willy-nilly. There's, there's a reason. And is that person... Uh, going to help them on their quest? Is it going to help heal Grogu? I don't know, uh, but I'm looking forward to some answers. Yeah. 
My prediction, which could be wrong, is and it's a, just a totally speculating for fun, and I will not uh, be mad and flip a single table if it is incorrect. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I got Quinlan Voss vibes yeah. um, because of the the nice name check in Kenobi. I think mm-hmm. kind of centers up time wise. He's a character I would love to focus on more. He's a character pulling from animation now because the Kenobi show. We know that he is a character who has at different points in the galaxy time timeline of the galaxy been trying to help younglings remain safe so i i'd be really interested in quinlan voss yeah god yeah i would too um there's jokey answers there's fun answers but it just kind of i don't know yeah quinlan seems like the the there's a there's answers out there about where where he was and what he's doing and this could be a, a fun one a big one and an important one so doubling down on that i like that answer there you go we're putting it all down we're putting it all down all right we are we're almost done friends we're almost done friends there's a lot to discuss and we'll see if we've left everything on the table but uh moving a little bit beyond the trailer though there was some other uh, news that kind of came out of this release including the disney press emails that went out um as always some things were rumored kind of confirmed maybe confirmed but here we have it all on the table uh, this uh, will start with the official Disney Lucasfilm log line for the season. And the log line says, The journeys of the Mandalorian through the Star Wars galaxy continue once a lone bounty hunter Din Djarin has reunited with Grogu. Meanwhile, the New Republic struggles to lead the galaxy away from its dark history. The Mandalorian will cross paths with old allies and make new enemies as he and Grogu continue their journey together. Ooh, a lot there. Dark histories, new enemies lone wolves becoming family men. There's a lot at stake here. A lot going on. Joseph, thoughts on this summary? Uh, I really like that it almost reads like an opening crawl of a Skywalker saga film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. part press release, but that the, the sentence in particular, once a lone bounty hunter, Din Djarin, has reunited with Grogu. Meanwhile, like uh, I yeah. like that it has that vibe. Biggest thing for me is that the sentence, meanwhile, the New Republic struggles to lead the galaxy away from its dark history. Yeah. That sentence the shots of Coruscant or Hosnian Prime, uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, uh, Pershing, the Star Destroyer and the Disney Plus exclusive trailer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Carson Teva. It really confirms that this overall story, the Mandoverse, for lack of a better term, is going to continue to connect the dots about the New Republic and mm-hmm. the the origins of the First Order. If if everything that's been happening with the the need to clone Grogu is building towards Snoke, all those little breadcrumbs that we've kind of seen and kind of guessed about, to just say like, yeah, we're not we're not playing games. We're telling you that a part of the story mm-hmm. is the nature of the new Republic. The fact that the, the first order is, is out there and growing. That's a part of this story that we're telling. We're, we're making it explicit. We're telling you, you know, how much is it in this season of Mandalorian? How much is it leading into Ahsoka? You know, the team up event that they once talked about, all that stuff is kind of still up in the air, but I love the confirmation that yes, this is a part of the big picture story we're telling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with you on that there, Jen, your thoughts on this summary. Yeah, I think for that very that very line, it leads me to what we were talking about, which is that each episode is gonna is going to be a continuous story as opposed to one little side mission leading up to something, right? I think that there's going to be a ve- two very clear storylines between the New Republic and then obviously Dinjarin and Grogu on their 
path. I am always curious, old allies, who does that mean? Does that mean Boba Fett? Does that mean Cobb Vanth? Does it, you know, and who are the new enemies? Who are they going to pull from the Clone Wars or Star Wars Rebels? That's what I always think of because they've done such a great job bringing back uh, uh, animated characters yeah. into live action. So that will be interesting. I'm not, I'm not very good at speculating on that, but I'm sure that there are a lot of good theories out there. Yeah, I'm not as either, but hey, you know, is Cad Bane actually dead? That's a big question. Is uh, when's Hondo Watch in effect, Joseph? You yes. Hondo Watch, Embo. There's so many characters, uh, uh, so many ones we can play around with. Uh, you know, uh, does he ever run into Lando? Han? Come on, there, you know who else is out there? Oh, what other computer programs are we running to make it possible? I don't yeah. know, uh, but I'm with both of you there. The the dark history line it just means a lot. It it, it has a lot of potential for for interesting and intriguing, uh, challenging storytelling. And for me, I mentioned earlier, like all right, they went on Endor. We know they go into the Battle of Jakku and the Galactic Concordance, and then it's still a struggle, and it's it's hard to change. Uh, that, uh, periods of reconstruction can go wrong and not accomplish what maybe you set out to do and still carry the scars of the past and people still holding on to certain beliefs and uh, and all those kind of things. So what does that mean? Is it just a uh, you know simple, more direct, uh, plot-pointy kind of thing? I'm sure some of that's there, but just does the does galaxy, as uh, we've been discussing, get to deal with its trauma? Uh, and what does that mean? It's mm-hmm. just... Uh, it's big. Talk about the scope. That's the scope for me, as well as uh, you know, Mando no longer being alone. He's he's uh, he's making friends, and he's made some friends, and that's all going to lead him forward. Yeah, and, and it makes me really really curious uh, for something that we've been talking about of who is Karsateva actually talking to? Because yeah, mm-hmm. in the trailer, it's cut like he's talking to Mando, but Mando is looks like he is in that uh, throne room of Bo-Katan, and I don't, <laughs> I don't think Karsateva popped into that meeting uh, to yell at Din about this. I think he's talking to someone from the New Republic, uh, <laughs> which is that that's fun speculation, but it is also like, is this going to be a story of? Yeah, there are kind of rumblings that there are, continue to be these little uh, flare-ups of Im- imperial activity. But does anyone really want to deal with that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Carson. I, I like maybe Carson Tevis says, you know, it's like I always said to my old friend Luthen Rail. <laughs> Great stuff. I uh, love it there. A uh, lot uh, in that to discuss. But before we get out of here, we want to discuss the directors. Uh, the directors were, were revealed to include, they included that in the uh, description, include uh, Rick Famiglia returning, Bryce Dallas Howard returning, Carl Weathers returning. I think we kind of do that. Uh, of course, uh, Famiglia is an executive producer on the series this year. But added uh, to the list now is Rachel Morrison, Lee Isaac Chung, and Peter Ramsey. Uh, quick summaries on uh, their careers. And I hate to just quickly summarize careers because that's taken a lot of work skills and experiences into some couple little credits. But Lee Isaac Chung uh, made a movie, Minari, that is a story of uh, a very personal story of South uh, Korean immigrants moving to rural Arkansas to to kind of make it there. Uh, that uh, movie very well received. Rachel Morrison, uh, known first mostly as a cinematographer, but now uh, you should know her as a director. She worked with Ryan Coogler, Fruitvale Station, Black Panther, and a lot of other things. And then Peter Ramsey, a lot of animation, The End of the Spider-Verse, uh, Rise of the Guardians, was uh, also, I think we had his name had come up with the Ahsoka series. So it looks like mm-hmm. he was uh, directing at least one in the Ahsoka series and one in the Mandoverse here in the Mandalorian show. Uh, they're all in the Mandoverse, I guess we could say. 
uh, which I don't want to go to simple uh, predictions or connecting dots, but, you know, Filoni's got a co-writing credit and he likes a certain character and you got this guy directing in that show too. Uh, you know, I think it's fair to say, hey, we could be getting some kind of appearance from uh, Ahsoka or someone from that team with Peter Ramsey. But we don't want to pigeonhole anyone or anyone's uh, resumes into uh, just small boxes there. So, thoughts on those names, including the returning names there, Jen? I'm so excited. Uh, Rachel Morrison also worked with Rick Famuyiwa on his film Dope. She -hmm. was a cinematographer. So that's exciting that they already have that existing relationship. And what I I always love when they release this list, specifically for the Mandoverse, because Mm -hmm. each person, each director has their own unique style, right? They have their own strengths. And I'm always excited to see, well, how are they going to come into Star Wars within the Star Wars framework? And kind of, uh, and uh, I don't want to say find joy, but like, how are they going to work within those parameters? Because it is challenging and not every director can do that. But so far, I feel like they've all been very successful uh, in previous Mandalorian seasons. I mean, Bryce Dallas Howard knocked it out of the park with her Mandalorian episodes. Um, Lee Isaac Chung, I'm so excited to see what he brings. Just I can't wait. I can't wait. And it's going to be interesting because I feel like each each episode I'll be able to tell afterwards go, oh, that of course, that's <laughs> that's what they brought that yeah. that definitely has their stamp on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Love, love, love all what you're saying there. Uh, yeah. And the connecting the dots there and, and just new names. And, and uh, the Mandalorian has been doing that in terms of just bringing directors into Star Wars and seeing where else they can fit in. Uh, very excited for Bryce Dallas Howard to come back. Uh, uh, her and, and Femi have just uh, just uh, really hit them out of the park when when their episodes um, have appeared. So I'm excited, and I just I, know, I just love Carl Weathers and Star Wars. I, I just <laughs> start celebrating both as Grief Garga and as a director. So be peace indeed. Glad to have Carl here. Uh, just some more thoughts on the directors there. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really thrilled by the return of Bryce Dallas Howard and uh, Carl Weathers. I'm really curious to see if they'll kind of shake up the kind of episodes they have because Bryce Dallas Howard has done lots of things, but she's also done some of the like emotional gut punch episodes mm-hmm. where you need mm-hmm. the emotion, right? And uh, the episode that Carl Weathers directed in season two was was kind of like the '80s action movie <laughs> episode, yeah. you know. So I'm curious to see if that will be uh, shaken up. But I'm thrilled to have them both back. Huge, hugely excited that Rick Famuyiwa is a co-producer and even more of his stamp will be on this whole season and, and that to me continues to be one of the the biggest pieces of news about mandalorian season three mm-hmm. um i i'm really excited for all of the different directors bringing different energy like jennifer is saying uh some of it about what it means for the show but also some of it about what it means for the world right um mm-hmm. The fact that Rachel Morrison has definitely has some directing credits, but primarily accomplished cinematographer. Uh, Mm. I love the film Dope, but it's also just kind of this ongoing story behind the scenes Mm. that is a very Star Wars story of somebody with an immense amount of power in Hollywood. Jon Favreau has a bonkers amount of power. Mm. And he came into this going, I want to share it. I want to elevate people. Uh, Within this Star Wars framework, uh, uh, not creatively, professionally, he's, Mm -hmm. you know, given Rick Famuyiwa the shot, right? And now Rick Famuyiwa is giving somebody else who has a connection to him. You know, there's just this kind of great story that, to me, is about lifting people up, having lots of different voices, lots of different perspectives, getting to have lots of people at the table and playing, which is great. 
Um, Peter Ramsey, that's yeah, that's a really curious thing about the like, is that an Ahsoka specific episode? All that. Mm-hmm. Uh, final thought for me is, um, yeah, I, I'm not personally familiar with uh, his his films, but uh, Lee Isaac Chung, uh, his debut film played at Cannes, he won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance. He's kind of a capital F filmmaker, right? right. Uh, and there can be these up and down issues with Star Wars of people kind of treating it as less than it's it's fun and it sometimes has ideas but it's still just space fantasy right Mm -hmm. um so taking a a a director who has those capital f filmmaker auteur credits what is his episode going to be like i'm so excited yeah i yeah i just love the new names because for for me uh not being a cinephile kind of removed from the movie news world like uh, a lot of these names um this is how i really truly discover them and that's one of the gifts star wars does for me and, and to what you're saying joseph of, of favreau and and team saying cool more new names coming in and even if it's a name you're familiar with but seeing them in this world and how they play with it uh, uh peyton reed is an example of well of course a new peyton reed but not see what he did with it. It, it it's it's just uh i enjoy all that uh and as a star wars fan it's just kind of the the added bonus more names for me to get to know love that mm-hmm. all right well we're almost done but we just have one final thing. Any final thoughts? Anything we left on the table? Jen, anything you want to throw out there? Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, I started off uh, this episode of this podcast, and I was like, well, I am excited. Now I'm really excited after hearing you guys share your thoughts. <laughs> I can't wait. I really can't wait. I think it's going to be just a lot of fun to get back into the Mandoverse. I agree. I don't know. There was, I just had some things in my life this morning. I was a little like, ah. I love it. Can't wait to sit down and dive into this. But, you know, I kind of just want the show to start. Let's get to it. Uh, it's kind of, a, and, and yeah, just I'm, I love in this uh, period of time where you have a little bit of information, but you really know nothing. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for March 1st, but also we got some bad batch we got to get to there. So a lot of fun mm-hmm. breaking it down here. Uh, yeah. And then just to see that little face again with those ears and the <laughs> throwing monsters. Uh, love having Grogu around. Uh, Joseph, any final thoughts from you? Yeah, I think fun is a great uh, way to say it. I am really excited for this show. I am excited to see who's going to show up because, in my opinion, every time a character has shown up, they have been relevant to the emotional journey of Din and Grogu. So I get to enjoy all the fun of uh, what characters might pop up, but then what is that going to mean? I think I'm really excited by this trailer because there's so much in it. And then there's still even more that wasn't in it. We know Bo-Katan's in this. You know, we didn't even see the Darksaber in this trailer. We know Gideon's involved. There's so much more coming. And I'm almost excited by not only is there so much in this trailer, uh, but there's so much uh, more coming. Final thing for me is I I do think The Mandalorian has been very consistent. Jennifer gave a a very good uh, speech about this show is called The Mandalorian. (laughs) (laughs) What does this mean? And I think uh, Jennifer is dead right. This show always has been about what does it mean to be a Mandalorian from that first shot at the end of the first episode of Din and Grogu connecting, of Din not being able to bear the thought that a child in need would look up and see a Mandalorian as death instead of salvation, which is what the Mandalorian is to Din. That's how their relationship began. And here we are three seasons later. And I feel like that core idea of what is a Mandalorian? I don't want it to be death and fear. I want it to be salvation. Now that's exploding out into galactic level stakes. And that's really exciting. Man, just saying that Duchess Satine somewhere, her spirit is proud. (laughs) 
Love that. Look, we're almost out of here, but every uh, every week on the news show, we do our little segment this week in Star Wars history, looking ahead to Star Wars past. Thought about skipping it this week. The focus is on Mandalorian and the trailer, but you can't. On the day of this recording, the day we're releasing this, January 17th, 1931, James Earl Jones was born in Arca Butler, Mississippi. What more can be said about James Earl Jones that hasn't already been said about this uh, legend and his place in Star Wars? Yeah, not much, but let's try by going back to our younger days. Do you remember, Jen, when you first learned about the man behind the voice of Darth Vader? Yeah, and I think I've shared it before. I was at the Disneyland Christmas event that they I think they still have it every year, and he was the narrator. And so he narrated the Christmas story um, mm. at Disneyland, the special event. And it, as a kid, it just was like, wait, what? <laughs> this man, he's so kind, you know, uh, is Darth Vader? How? It was just such a, a funny thing. And I love that over the years, he's really kind of been in on that joke, right? Like he, mm. he loves being able to embrace that part of him. Uh, there's, there's no shame obviously in, in reprising his role of Darth Vader. It's just, it's just wonderful. He is a national treasure. He is indeed. And yeah, for me, it was this learning, you know, I would say that through Star Wars, I also learned about what, like what actors are and jobs and directors <laughs> and okay, it's not all magic. And yeah, just being blown away by that, that someone did that. And then we've made reference on it here before, but the, this is CNN, James Earl Jones, uh, the VL for CNN. Like was, it was, it just felt like Star Wars in the real world. Like I, I had no idea his list of credits when I was seven, but it just felt like, oh, he's ours. He's ours. He's part of it. And it is, isn't it great that uh, someone from Star Wars is doing the CNN voice? Like it just, it just meant a lot to me <laughs> as I discovered that there. Uh, Joseph, uh, what were your experiences around the same time? Yeah, I, I know I knew the name James Earl Jones, and I think I, you know, probably heard him in other roles, you know, ads for, you know, movies and and been like what wow cool awesome amazing um the idea that you know if he had done nothing but darth vader he probably would have passed into legend right but that he has this hugely expansive you know career and a life and that is just one of the feathers in his caps is great but i mean honestly a huge amount of it is to, for me that this is cnn too in this mm -hmm. idea of like okay have to be respectful that's not darth vader <laughs> announcing this news channel that is the human man, James Earl Jones. <laughs> it sounds like Darth Vader, and that's pretty cool. And I think, yeah, with all of the ups and downs with, you know, times where, where Harrison Ford had been, you know, a little backing away from it, Mark Hamill all in, like, that James Earl Jones has just always really seemed to just take pride in it, be up for doing more when he doesn't have to. Like, what? Whatever that was in the 90s or 2000s, like, you got to do a DVD game? Sure, I'll do that. Whatever. You know, like, mm -hmm. um, always willing to come back to vader and always uh proud of it um it, it, down to i'm not going to do this anymore but i want to give you my permission and guidance and help you recreate this voice and and yeah. have it for the future like he did uh for the kenobi show is just mm -hmm. great love that love it all uh, i without going too far into it do you all have some other favorite james earl jones moments outside of star wars uh or uh, disney christmas specials movies anything that comes to mind jen i can't think of anything I just, you know, I always think of his smiling face and yeah. it does yeah. really feel like he is, like he's not Darth Vader. You know what I mean? Like it, it always just felt like yeah. he was just like this, this living, uh, breathing separate entity from the man, James Earl Jones, which is such, such a testament to how wonderful he is as a voice actor. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I can't think right. of anything at the moment. 
No, that's okay. Joseph, anything come to mind for you? Yeah, I mean, not a specific role. I know I've seen him in lots of films, and uh, and he is a phenomenal actor. So, you know, when it is his face and he is playing a character and not just doing an announcement on CNN, I very quickly forget that, you know, he's he's mm-hmm. Vader because he's a phenomenal actor. But honestly, what made me go like, wow, this person has a huge, huge career was that uh, YouTube video that went around in the early 2000s of taking all these other wonderful <laughs> acting moments of James Earl Jones and matching them to <laughs> Vader clips. So it yeah. looks like Vader is just going on and on to Tarkin about, a, you know, a woman he's dating. Uh, <laughs> really, really funny. But it was also one of those like, hey, this is a funny Star Wars joke, but look at the just uh, the breadth of this man's career. Yeah. No, I love that. There's is a baseball fan. I'm a big fan of the movie Field of Dreams, which I would argue is not a baseball movie. And and he is so great in that. I, I highly recommend you all check that out if you haven't had a chance. But there's just a great moment in the film where where uh Reconcella turns around and his VW van and there in the headlights is James Earl Jones saying, What did I see, Ray? It's one of my favorite moments in film. It gives me chills mm-hmm. even not talking about it. It's about belief. It's about uh um uh, you know, journeys and everything. It's a it's a wonderful moment. It's just and it could only be James Earl Jones. That voice just hits my soul when he finally has this like yeah i'm not lying anymore i saw that too what was that and what are we doing it's magical and i love it mm-hmm. and uh, a reminder that james or jones is not just darth vader though that's not a bad deal either all right we are out of here for real we are gonna get on down the road we got bad batch we got a databank dive a real fun one coming this week we got a live show on youtube uh for january on january 27th we'll be announcing that officially soon but just to get you all ready you can find us on twitter for center pod hive social for center on instagram and youtube as well subscribe over there we're on facebook at for center podcasts available on a lot of different spots we are said yoda iHeartRadio, apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and more just search or find us merch is available to public.com slash user slash four center and you can support us directly at patreon.com slash four center uh for me uh you can follow me at cadnapsock go to my website cadnapsock.com new podcast the blathering out on my podcast feed jen where can they find you you can find me on instagram where i'm generally most uh, often there uh twitter facebook youtube at jennifer landa sometimes tiktok at jennifer landa 1138 that's wonderful. Check it out over there, uh, Joseph. Uh, I love the sigh in in Jennifer's voice, uh, <laughs> listing the, yeah. all of the social media that we're on. It's true. It's so true. Sometimes like, oh, I got a good joke. I need to cross post this 17 places. Um, but you can find me many places on social media. <gasps> Instagram is the one that I'm uh, really trying to promote now. I'd love to uh, have more friends over on Instagram, but you can also find me on Twitter, Hive, Mastodon, TikTok, all those places. You can check out uh, my YouTube page by searching for Joseph Scrimshaw. I'll have a new short film coming uh, either late January or early February, so join me there. Join him there. Join us everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on Force
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.